On today's Spotlight on KRWC, it's our regular monthly visit with Rye County Public Health. Today we have Public Health Nurse Catherine Main with us uh, to talk more about uh, COVID-19 and give an update from our uh, last talk with uh, members from Rye County Public Health. Catherine, thank you for being with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. This uh, undoubtedly has been, uh, you know, a very unusual and very difficult time for loads of people, and uh, just like across the rest of the state and uh, through many parts of the country, our COVID case is obviously spiking here in Rye County, too. When we last talked with uh, Sarah Groshish, she was outlining some of the the uh, big spikes that came, oh, I guess in the early part of November. So we're just going to kind of pick up, I guess, where we left off from there and, and uh, talk a little bit about some other topics. Uh, with all of these uh, new cases that are out there, contract uh, contact tracing becomes a, a big, big factor, and maybe you want to talk a bit about that. Yes. So the contact tracing is is a normal thing that we do at uh, the state and local public health for all kinds of diseases. But um, COVID-19, of course, has been um, the front burner for all of us. And with this increase in cases, the ability for um, the Minnesota Department of Health and they have contracted with a service to contact people to follow up. Um, they, they're having a hard time keeping up. So, you know, we, the importance of having a timely uh, follow-up when someone is tested positive is important to get that education to let them know what they need to be doing, you know, to isolate, et cetera. And so with that delay, uh, sometimes, you know, there's a concern that people aren't going to get that information of what they need to do once they're positive for COVID-19. And this kind of goes along with the uh, the overall uh, isolation, quarantine, the, you know, testing. It's all kind of uh, a big part of the picture. Yeah, and it's it's hard. You know, I'm, <laughs> I talk this language all the time, uh, but for people who this is all new to, it gets it it can be very confusing. Uh, so if somebody uh, goes in, um, they have symptoms, they're tested, and they test positive for COVID-19, they need to isolate. So they are actively infectious. Uh, they need to go home and isolate themselves uh, for 10 days as a minimum. 10 days um, at 10 days, if you have been fever-free for 24 hours, and you have improving symptoms, it doesn't mean that all your symptoms are going to go away, but, you know, fever-free, uh, you're feeling better, 10 days is the minimum to isolate. Um, and then everyone, if you live with other people uh, and in your close contact, so your, your family members or who you live with would be considered close contacts, then you need to let them know or any other close contacts that you might have um, outside your home, let them know they are to quarantine for 14 days. Um, and quarantine basically means, you know, you're not ill, but you need to be um, watching for symptoms for the next 14 days. Uh, that's because the incubation period of the disease is anywhere from two days to 14 days. So I think we've discussed before, um, that's one of the, the many a lot of frustrating parts about this uh, illness, but I think that incubation period and the, the potential for it to be lengthy. Now, uh, I've heard from many people that it's 
commonly quite a bit shorter than that. But the fact that it, you know, it can be 10, 12, 14 days out, that's a long period of time. Right. That's correct. It is. And um, we had been doing our own contact tracing and investigation. And I can tell you, um, people, yeah, day 13 uh, would finally get symptoms. So it is frustrating. Um, you know, we can't control a virus. <laughs> so the virus, you know, that's how long it, it takes. And it usually, you're correct, it usually takes um, less days than, than the 14 um, to have symptoms. Um, so, but yes, it can be, um, especially if you're in a, with a family and um, someone's sick and you have small children, you can't really isolate yourself. So you have to wait until you have had the last contact with that person. Um, so if a child is ill and they're in isolation for 10 days, but of course you have to take care of them, you can't start your 14 days of quarantine until they're off of isolation um, and done with their symptoms. So it, it can be very burdensome and a long time, especially for families or people who aren't able to isolate from you know close family members. Also brings up some challenges too for folks that, um, you know, if, if they're, well, either way, I guess, really isolating or quarantined, um, it brings up problems for, you know, medications, uh, for getting food, for a lot of different things. Right. Well, you have to remember, so if somebody's ill, you, you know, yes, you need to isolate. Um, hopefully there's somebody else in the family, even if the somebody in your household is a contact and they're in quarantine, they're still able just to go out, wear the mask, um, just go out quick, um, get, your, get your medication, get your groceries. You know, if you can, if you can do it online or go through a drive-thru to get your, your medication, all the better. Um, so if somebody's in quarantine, it's not that they, um, they can go out and get their essential things that they need or, or help that family member. Yeah, but if you're ill, you need to stay, stay at home. Now, some of these things, I think we've been seeing kind of some changes uh, in the guidance, at least from uh, the CDC. Uh, and are these kind of reflected in what you're telling us here today? Um, no, they're not. Okay. Um, CDC last week did come out with some new recommendations that uh, the Minnesota Department of Health, which we take directive from the Minnesota Department of Health. So that right now, um, they are looking at those recommendations and then they will let us know what they um, decide. Um, so even though CDC has come out with these um, different guidelines are a little changed, they're not totally different. You know, they're just little, um, little different in situa different situations. So um, we will wait and we have not heard from the Minnesota Department of Health um, on their response on those new, new guidelines, so. Very good. Talk a little bit about um, the testing situation and, um, you know, positive tests, negative tests, the difference between and, and you know, everybody, I think, uh, at this point tells a story about a, you know, false negative. I don't know if there's such a thing as false positive, but maybe you want to comment on some of that. Oh, well, the testing, uh, you know, there's two um, different tests out, um, basically, if you want to simplify it, um, a molecular, I can't, I had a hard time saying that, molecular or a PCR test, 
which is really what they call their gold standard for testing. It actually identifies uh, the DNA of the virus. And then there's an antigen test. Now, the antigen test just looks for a general protein, and that is a lot less sensitive. And those are the ones that you can go and they can tell you in 15 minutes if you're positive or negative. And so those tests are, um, you know, just not as sensitive as the molecular PCR tests. That being said, um, if you go and have one of those antigen tests and it's positive, you're positive. Uh, we, we, you know, we can't, we can't go back and forth on, on that. You get tested, you know, you have symptoms or you, you're identified as a close contact and you're going to get tested. A positive is a positive. Uh, you know, there's no test that's 100%, you know, perfect. Um, but we have to go with the positive because, you know, if you think about it, you know, you're going in to get tested. So you either know that you've been exposed or you're not feeling well. Um, so that's how we, we handle that with um, those two tests. How about people that um, discover that they, you know, have been in contact with somebody or somebody uh, through contact tracing or whatever method or, or just notification from um, someone, a person that you know or co-worker or whatever. Um, if you are exposed, is there a certain amount of time that you should wait to get tested or should you test immediately or what's the guidance on that? It's usually they recommend five to seven days or, or seven days after your last exposure. Uh, again, that incubation period is two to 14 days. Um, so they, they say usually about by that seventh day um, is a good time, especially um, if you're asymptomatic, you're not having any symptoms at all after you've been exposed. Yeah. So that kind of is where it comes in. If, if you test too early, uh, you might, you know, you may not be symptomatic as of yet, or you, you know. Well, that's, yeah, yeah that's correct. And there is a, a certain portion of population that are asymptomatic. Anyhow, the, the important thing to remember is if you are identified either at work or through a family member that you are contact to a known positive case, you need to quarantine for that 14 days. So a lot of people are going to get tested and they think they can get a negative test and get out of quarantine. You can't. You can't test out of quarantine. So I think that adds another confusion um, with the messaging about testing. So the only thing it tells you is, you know, if you've been exposed, you go get tested in your quarantine period at day seven, um, then you're positive. Um, then once you're positive, you're supposed to isolate for 10 days. So, I mean, it is very confusing to the general public, but the, the rule of thumb is you can't test out of quarantine. So if you are identified as close contact to a known positive case, you have to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point because, um, you know, if you do test and you do test negative, well, that's great, you know, but you mm -hmm. still have to kind of watch and see. I mean, uh, maybe maybe you will get through the quarantine period and nothing will happen, which I guess ideally is is what we hope for. But as you say, it's it's uh, it's not a sure thing right away. Right. Exactly. And and those fourteen days are a a period where it is a symptom watch. You should be you know thinking every day. You know how do I feel? How do you know and things like that? Because if you do. Um, 
get symptoms day three, you're symptomatic, you know, then go get tested right away. You're positive. Then your 10 days of isolation starts when your symptoms started, you know, so it, it is, it's something that, you know, to talk through it and, um, and have your healthcare provider where you go get tested or the people that are calling um, to do the contact tracing and follow-up to give you that education um, because it is complicated. It, it um, takes some time to, to think about it. But we have put a lot of great resources on our uh, Wright County Public Health um, COVID-19 website, including um, some calendars with days so you can kind of mark it off and, and figure out your, your quarantine and, and isolation. So there's a lot of good tools and resources on our website. I think that's one of the frustrations, uh, too, of, of people uh, in the general population that have been, you know, watching this very carefully is that uh, the other thing, uh, COVID can have symptoms that unfortunately can mimic other things, too. And, you know, so you're, you're a lot of times you're just not sure if, you know, if uh, every sniffle is something to think about or every, I find myself, you know, every time I sneeze, I'm wondering, well, goodness sakes, what's going on here, but. Right. And I think the important thing to remember is if you, if you have symptoms and you don't, you know, nobody has told you you've been a, a known contact to a known case, it's, it's those good public health principles that we kind of tell everybody. Anyhow, if, you know, if you don't feel well, stay home. Right, stay home, um, take care of yourself. You know, wash your hands, all that good stuff, and you know, then return to work. You know, when you feel better and you and you don't have any symptoms anymore. I mean, you can get go get tested. Of course, there's always other things um, that are circulated: common colds, influenza season, um, things like that. Uh, but if you know for sure you've been a known contact. Um, to a COVID positive case, then, you know, you get symptoms, you know, definitely go in and get tested. Yeah, it, it is difficult. Um, it's a, it's a difficult time for everyone. And, you know, we do have our um, COVID information line at Wright County too, which is 763-682-7607. And that's on our website also, if people have questions or need information. I know we want to talk about vaccines before we wrap up here today, oh, sure. but um, maybe we can take just one second and you can give us the uh, the latest or whatever you know about. Um, are the cases still spiking here in Wright County? Are we still seeing that? We saw a big surge here a few weeks ago. Are we still on that? Or Yeah, I mean, our, case, our total cases um, today are 9,193. For the county, and we're at 50-50 deaths. And in the last week, we've averaged about 170 positive cases a day, which is a slightly down. Um, we had been up um, to 200 a day, uh, so that's kind of where we're at. Still, still a lot higher than we have been um, earlier on. So we continue to watch those numbers. Um, daily, and you can look on our website. Um, we have a dashboard, and then you also can go to the Minnesota Department of Health's website um, on their COVID situation update, which they post daily at 11 a.m. on their website. 
Great. Now, let's get into uh, the vaccine situation. Uh, it's what everybody is talking about, uh, obviously. Uh, and we could, you know, we kind of expect to be hearing any day now about approval of at least one uh, of the major manufacturers, possibly more. Um, tell us what your department is up to with the vaccine and uh, the information that you're being given about how that's going to work once it's ready. Yeah, uh, we've you know, get information daily, um, how things are, are changing and looking forward um, to getting a vaccine. And this week on the 10th of December, the uh, Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, is going to look at all the data for the, the Pfizer vaccine, which is the ultra-cold vaccine. And as soon as they look at all that data, they will um, make recommendations and then that information will go back to the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, or ACIP, which is a federal immunization group. And they're the group that normally, um, you know, looks at all the data and approves or um, doesn't approve a, a vaccine, like our normal vaccines and our immunization schedule. Uh, so that group will look at it and then... If everything goes well, then, you know, within a week after that or less, we could see the first vaccine coming. And then we, you know, I guess we'll find out about, it, it sure sounds like, um, you know, frontline healthcare workers followed by uh, long-term care settings will be the first people to receive. We don't, we don't have full guidance on that as of yet. Um, no, and I think the Minnesota Department of Health uh, will soon um, make that information uh, to the public. Uh, but that's what you know we're preparing for getting the people who are on the front lines taking care of um, our healthcare workers, needing to keep our hospitals and every and our nursing homes going. You know, having staff, it's hard to take care of ill people when, when there's no staff. So that is um, important. And that will be coming out soon. Um, um, those prioritization, you know, prioritized groups. And then probably important to point out to people again, that, um, you know, some patience is going to be needed here, because these are some staggering numbers of vaccine uh, vials that have to be manufactured. Yeah. Yeah, and it will, you know, depend. Um, I know the week after, on the 17th of December, the um, the other vaccine company called Moderna, uh, they will bring their information to FDA and go through the same process, and hopefully then that will be more um, available vaccine. But we don't know the exact numbers or how many doses we will receive, you know, um, each jurisdiction, you know, and it and will be federally um, to the states, and and then we'll go from there. Talk, uh, if you will, just for a second about um, influenza. Now, that's something that, um, you know, is not going to go away. Just be We're not going to get a break on that just because <laughs> of uh, the COVID situation. So uh, talk about the importance of just the regular procedures uh, to battle influenza, too. Yeah, again, you know, get vaccinated. It's not too late to get your influenza vaccine. Uh, you know, that influenza, we cannot predict. It's different every year. And you have to take care of yourself. 
Yep, wash your hands, cover your cough, stay home when you're sick. So it's the same thing, no matter what it is, um, to protect yourself and others. You know, stay home and, and take care of yourself and do all those good prevention. Um, stay healthy, get a good sleep, uh, that kind of thing. I guess we've been hearing, you know, a lot about uh, gatherings and things like that. And it was for Thanksgiving, it was, you know pretty much spelled out that, uh, you know, these large uh, indoor gatherings, even with family, uh, kind of risky business. And I'm assuming the same thing is going to be for the Christmas holiday, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I can't predict what um, what the, the governor will say. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, any any large number, if you put yourself in a group of people that you're not normally with, that you don't normally live with and share space with uh, because there's a lot of infections that are asymptomatic. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, so the best is to, you know, to try and limit that with your, your family and friends um, and discuss it and have an open conversation about everybody's feelings and, you know, to take care of yourself. And, and so that's why they made the recommendations. That, and the more time you spend in a closed space with, um, people too, the likelihood of getting the disease increases. Uh, you know, there's been transmission in other, you know, you know, at work sites and different things. Uh, but you're you're more likely that the most um, the people you spend the most time with um, in a closed environment is going to increase your chances of transmitting it to someone else. All of you and your uh, coworkers been uh, been holding up with this. This obviously has dominated everything for the better part of a year now, and it, yeah. uh, you know, you hear about uh, COVID fatigue and all of that, and that has to be, uh, you know, it's not only on the general public, uh, but boy, for folks that face it every single day, it's got to really be, really be taxing. Yeah, it's been. Um... Yeah, kind of surreal, I would say. Um, you know, when we had H1N1 in 2009, I mean, it was a public health emergency and a response, uh, but nothing like this, not, not as long. Not, and um, a few of us were, were there in, in 2009 with H1N1, but a lot of our staff is new. And, and yeah, I think um, people have been getting, you know, tired and, and, and worn out, I we do a good job of supporting each other and and um, trying to um, help each other uh, through this and and do the best we can. I'm very excited that vaccine is on its way and um, get out there and and help people um, be protected so we can hopefully move on with our lives and try and get back to a normal <laughs> a normal. Um, situation. Yeah, that's so. going to be a, a great thing, that's for sure. Well, as you say, it's nice to uh, at least see a little and hear about a little light at the end of the tunnel, but we've got a little ways to go here yet. Um, yeah. Maybe let's close with, um, maybe you can update us on, uh, you mentioned the uh, the county's uh, COVID dashboard. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. talk a little bit about where that is, where people can find it, and just some general information numbers to finish up here. Right. So if you go to the Wright County um, website and then under departments, it will be under health and human services and then public health uh, and then, then it'll be COVID-19. It could be on the front page. I'm not um, 
sure what it looks like now, <laughs> but you might be anything that says COVID-19 should bring you to our website, and we have it all um, different tiles to, you know, if you're interested in testing or information, and it gives little things to connect there. And then the phone number, if you can't find the answer to your question from um, the web resources, again, our information, our COVID information line is 763-682-7607. And um, you can leave a message and we'll get back to you with um, hopefully an answer to your question. Sounds good. Catherine Main with Ryan County Public Health, our guest on today's Spotlight, just kind of updating the whole COVID situation here at the local level. And again, uh, people should be uh, feel free to call for uh, any information that they feel like they need. And um, thank you for passing along the latest, Catherine. And uh, we've got some uh, light that we're going toward here, but we've got a little ways to go yet. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Always good to talk to you. Always nice to talk with you. Have a great uh, holiday season, too, for uh, you and everybody there at Public Health. So we will talk again in the future. Sounds good. Thank you, Tim. There's today's Spotlight on KRWC.